a little bit of the ministry. You can't do 42 years in three or four minutes. So we just try to do what we've been involved in. And so we're excited to have our daughter and son-in-law as missionaries in Uruguay. Our three uh, grandsons are there also. And uh, we're going to return by, uh, and first of all, let's do this. Start looking for in your Bibles to Ezekiel. And I'll tell this while you're looking for Ezekiel. Uh, our three grandsons are there and our oldest will be going off to college in August uh, and so <clears throat> we want to be back for his birthday on the 17th of May so we're planning on flying if I can get a ticket I'm trying to get a ticket for the 10th of May that we're planning on uh, traveling back to Uruguay so I want to talk to you a little bit about this evening about uh, standing in the gap if you'll look with me in Ezekiel chapter 22 we're going to start off here, but we're not going to spend much time here in Ezekiel. But I want to read a couple of scriptures here in Ezekiel chapter 22 and verses uh, 30 and 31. And then we're going to uh, go into this message uh, this evening. <clears throat> Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30 and 31. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. So <clears throat> we see that sin has separated man from God. And there's no way that man can get to God on his own. And many times you've probably seen where uh, there's a picture of a big uh, uh, trench and, and the, a cross laying across the trench and, and the cross represents Jesus. And, and of course, Jesus Christ is the only way to bridge this gap. So, but my thinking is more along this line. I'm thinking of something more like the Grand Canyon. And I'm thinking about we're on one side and we want to get to the other side. So what happened? People start trying to cross that canyon on their own and they get lost. There's only one, one way across that canyon. And someone has to help them find that way across that canyon. That way is Jesus Christ. That is the only way. But they need someone to be down there in that gap, in that canyon with them, showing them the way that Jesus has laid and he is that way that they can get through that canyon, get through that gap, get through that uh, basis and, and get to God, back to God. God called Noah to stand in the gap and preach righteousness to his generation and build a craft that would take a remnant past into the post-flood era. He called Abraham and Sarah to leave their home, to go into a land of promise and to believe God that he would give them children in their old age and receive the inheritance that one day would bless as many as the stars of heaven. Moses and Aaron and others led Israel into God's plan and to make them a nation of priests, to change the course of history for all peoples everywhere. And so ultimately, God himself stood in the gap when he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on Calvary. 
Jesus forever became God's way home across the gap. And so he fulfilled all, all of those that stood, everything that, that the Old Testament stood for and what they preached and what they believed. Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of that. And now he was the one that would carry them through and it's through faith in Christ that we're saved. So the foundation for all those who stand in the gap with him today is Jesus Christ faith in Christ. So, here's the major theme of the four Gospels. Here's one of them. Jesus was progressively breaking his disciples out of the boxes that prevented them from believing they could help close the gap with him. You see, the, the disciples had a way of thinking that had come down through the ages in the, in the Jewish belief and, and Jesus Christ had to break that up and change their thinking. He, you see, they thought and they believed Jesus was the Messiah. They didn't have a problem with it. The problem was their concept of what the Messiah was and what he would do. You see, they thought that he would restore the kingdom to what it was before in the time of David and Solomon that he would break the bonds of the Roman Empire that they had on the Jewish nation of Israel. And so they were looking for that to happen. In the last 40 days of Jesus, if, of his life on earth, if we look into these portions of Scripture, we're not going to look into them, but I'm going to make some references out of these. In Luke 24, 36 through 53, in Acts 1, 1 through 8, these are parallel Scriptures written by Dr. Luke, and so if we look at those, we can find some things that, that Jesus was concentrating in three areas of their faith. The first one was their faith in his person and who he was. Everything written about me, he says. Many proofs. He's trying to, you remember on the road to uh, 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 I think it's Emmaus. That's in Spanish, isn't it? I don't know what it is. Uh, Emmaus, yeah. And so he's on the road to Emmaus and he finds these disciples and he starts revealing to them the Old Testament and how he was the fulfillment of that. The many proofs. Everything written about me. Jesus had to get them to understand because when they start preaching... What is the word of God that they have? They have the Old Testament and what they're going to do is take the Old Testament and through their testimony prove and show that Jesus was the Messiah, the fulfillment of everything that the Old Testament said. The second thing is their faith in his purpose. He said that forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all nations. Be my witnesses unto the end of the earth. We find in these, in these passages. And so he's trying to get them to understand, we have a job here to do. And it isn't going to be restoring the kingdom here. It isn't going to be uh, throwing off the Roman rule. <clears throat> but it's going to be being a witness unto every person upon the face of the earth. Carrying forth the good news of what is, has happened, that Jesus came, lived, died, and rose again, and saves only those who place their faith in him. And then, for third part, their faith in his promise. 
Ye shall be my witnesses. Ye are endured with power. Ye shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So he wants them to understand that he will empower them to accomplish the task that he has set before him. I'll never forget as I was a young preacher on deputation trying to get to Uruguay, I had a pastor and he said, I don't think you'll ever make it to Uruguay. I said, well, why would you say that to a young to me trying to get to Uruguay? He says, well, with the churches and the financial problems and the economic problems, I'm, just, I'm not sure you'll ever make it. And then I remembered what another pastor had told me. He said, God's commandments are God's enablements. If God calls us to do something, He would not call us to do something and not allow us, enable us, empower us to accomplish that. And so... He's trying to get them to understand the importance of what is going to be their work now going forward. Some Christians have the mistaken notion that when, when they get saved, when God saves them, that they've come across through this gap to the other side, and so there they're going to uh, live safely ever after on the other side of the gap. But the fact is, Jesus, in bringing us back to the Father, calls us to lose our lives with Him in the world. He says in John 12, 26, If man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there also my servant be. And so uh, Jesus is in the gap. He's there. He's provided everything. He is, is bringing conviction of sin. He is working. He is doing. And He is working through us as we stand in the gap. You see, it's like we're down there in that canyon trying to get the people to go the right way. Because people are so confused about how to be saved. And most of that confusion revolves around the fact that they're thinking that you have to do something. What could you do, possibly do, that could earn your way to heaven? What could you possibly pay for a ticket and entrance into heaven? You think Elon Musk has enough money to buy a ticket into heaven? No. And so all these people are wandering around trying to get over this gap, trying to be religious, trying to do something when it's already been done. I like that little book by Kerry Smith, Done. He says there's only two religions in the world, do and done. And that's true. It's already been done through Jesus Christ. There's nothing we can do. And we've got to be with Jesus in the gap, showing the people, getting them to understand that because of our sin, there is no way we can justify ourselves before God. He is the living mediator. He remains the mediator. We've got to stand in the gap with the good news that the mediator is the way, only way back to God. Now, <clears throat> the attitude that, was, uh, that Jesus had when he entered the gap 
when he came to this world, is the same attitude that he wants us to have as we serve God. That attitude is found in Philippians 2, 5 through 10. We won't look at that, but it's just very simple. He became a servant. He humbled himself. And he was obedient unto death. Humble, servant, obedient unto death. That's what he expects from us. To humble ourselves. To serve him. And to be obedient. Even unto death. Whenever that death may be. So, I want you to look with me, if you would, into the book of John. Excuse me. 1 John. We're going to go to the epistle of 1 John chapter 1. And verse 1. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. So here Paul is speaking, and <clears throat> we have here the approach that Christ used, and it's like it's ours like him. It is to be heard. We are to be heard which we have heard, that which we have heard, speaking the good news to others, that they might understand it clearly. You know, many people have an idea of what salvation is, but they're confused in that somewhat. They have to understand it clearly. That's what, I, I like that word used in Romans chapter 10, uh, verse Nine, when he said, believe with all thine heart. Believe in thine heart. And that means a, clearly, a, a clear understanding of, of what he has done. If thou wilt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. So we have to have that heart understanding. A lot of people have a mind knowledge of Christ, of religion, of church, and, and they have an idea of what they think Salvation is. But is that what God says? And then he said, seen. Seen with our eyes. Being available to people because we come to where they are. Now, this is kind of difficult. Because we, if we're going to reach the lost, we have to go to where the lost are. We, and, and you have to be among the lost. We have to be among the lost. As a, as a preacher, this is more difficult for me because it's easy for me to go to my office. I have my office in my home, and so on Monday morning I get up and go to my office and turn on some Christian music, and, and so I, I can study my Bible, I can, and I'm in my own little world, everything controlled. But then you have to get up and go down to your workplace and deal with a lot of different things out in the world that we as preachers don't have to deal with. And so you have that opportunity to be among them. And then sometimes 
you, you have lost friends and, and you just have to be willing to get on their turf with them so you can witness to them and share with them. If we're going to reach them, we have to go to where they are. They're not going to come to us. And then he said, look upon, being visible to those we want to reach, being a living model of which they can discover God's love. They need to see Christ in us. Well, I may get in trouble. But the way we talk, I talked to the men a little bit about that. I, I hear on television and you just, the language is not good language that we use today. The way the, the, the politicians talk, they don't, they use curse words that I've always understood that was cursing and, and they just use it so commonly. But we have to reflect our relationship with God in the way we talk. The way we act. The way we react, as I talked about in Sunday school today. You see, uh, we have to show them a difference. I remember we did a remodel in our home and the architect had gone to school, high school, with my son-in-law. And she came and she said, I think she told them later, she said, I had, I had to talk different when I went over there. They're just different. They don't talk like I talk. And she had to change some of the language that she uses. <laughs> you know, because you can affect people around you with the life that you live, and we should. He says, touched. Touched, looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Directly and personally involved in bringing the distance between God and sinners close together. To reach to them, to touch them with the gospel. Paul understood this. He claims to be personally appointed to stand in the gap. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7, Paul understood what his job was to do, and he learned that from the very beginning because according to his own testimony, the appointment came the very day he met Christ on the Damascus Road. In that hour, Jesus called him to rise and stand. This is in Acts 26, 12 through 23. Rise and stand for a purpose. We have a purpose in our life. We are here for a reason. We are here to represent God to the lost world. It is the only representation they have. There are no angels that are carrying the gospel to the lost. It is our task. It is our job. It is our commandment to go. And then he said, uh, to rise and stand for a person and serve and bear witness, not only among his own people, but the Gentiles whom I send you. This was hard for the Jews because they thought God was for them only. You see, the, the, Israel was the only monotheistic country in the world. Everybody else was living in idolatry. They had many gods. And Israel just thought, Jehovah is our God. He's for us. He's not for them. And it, it was hard for them to get to the understanding that the gospel, what Jesus Christ did, was not only for them, but it was for the entire world. They were to go to everyone. 
So Paul understood his appointment, his task. And he turns around and he instructs, instructs all of us Christians. He says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. And the verse before this in 1 Corinthians 10.33, he says, As I try to please all men in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. You see, we've been bought with a price. And so we have a task set before us. And so we should testify about the focus of our conversion. What happened when you got saved? See, a, a testimony is just telling what happened to yourself. We can all do that. We do that every day. We, we go to, we, we, we talk about what happened the night before. We tell, and so we are to testify. Paul said in, in Galatians 1, 15, 16, he said, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. That was his testimony that he had been called to accomplish this task, to go and preach when God had saved him, called him by his grace. And God desires the whole church, all of us, to be involved in this, to stand in the gap, to imitate Paul's sense of priority and purpose in his life. And each one of us saying of our lifelong journey in the gap, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Finishing well. That should be our goal. Christ is coming. He may not come before our time on earth is finished. But we should be faithful with every day that we have serving our Lord. Now, we have two important questions that stand before us. Will I stand in the gap? Will I fully assume the privilege Christ has given me to serve his global cause? You see, through missions, you're standing in the gap. In Uruguay and the Philippines I saw tonight, and all your missionaries as they come up here and you see them week after week, the missionaries that you have every week that you all highlight, uh, they're representing you in the gap in those countries. That's part of it. But then there's the gap right here that Pastor mentioned earlier. The second question is of equal concern. In what part of the gap will I stand? Where am I going to minister at? You see, the need is everywhere. The need is great right here in the United States. The need is great in Uruguay, in the Philippines. There, the, it, the problem is not the need, folks. The situation is this. We have to find out where God is going to place me to serve Him. Is that right here? Young person, would you be willing to say, Lord, if you would have me, I would go to Uruguay, I would go to Africa, I would go to Asia and serve you. I want to find that place that you want me to serve in the gap, being faithful. So, God's looking for people to stand in the gap. He's looking for people to walk in it with Christ, making a strategic impact for his saving mission among all nations. If you're not involved in missions, 
in the missions program of this church by giving, then you're not standing in the gap in the regions beyond. You see, if we're going to fulfill the commandment that Christ gave us, then we need to be involved, each and every one of us, in missions. Our church in Uruguay supports missionaries. We have a missionary. Uh, this was really interesting. Uh, there, there's a, our, the BBF missionaries in, in, in the Philippines formed what is known as the Asian uh, Missionary Asian Clearinghouse. They have about 60 missionaries from Japan, South Korea, the Philippines, and other Pacific Rim uh, Asian countries that have gone into the world. And they're supported over there by those churches. And a Philippine missionary came to Argentina. And our church is supporting him, Brother Sakal and his family. Brother Sakal told me, he said, uh, you know, God called me to be a missionary. I read Acts 1.8, and he said, unto the regions, unto the utter, excuse me, uttermost part of the earth. I said, where is the uttermost part of the earth? You know where Brother Sakal is? He's in Ushuaia, Argentina. Do you know where that is? Well, it's at the very tip of South America, just before you go to the Antarctic. It's the southernmost city in the world. And he said, you know, God took me from a perfect climate and a cheap country to the coldest place and most expensive place I could ever imagine. <laughs> and there is Brother Sakal down there in Ushuaia. Look it up on the map if you want to know where Ushuaia is. It's down there. And it's cold down there. There they are serving the Lord. So we're involved in missions. God is looking for people to stand in the gap, not only because they love Christ, but because with Christ, they love those on the other side of the gap. You see, when we reach out to them, we're showing them our love. There's a song that I really like. It's by uh, Casting Crowns. Uh, you may have heard it, but I, I want to share it with you, the, the lyrics of it. It's called Anything But Easy. Anybody know the song? You do? He says, I can see the path you've chosen. We both know where this is going. I'm afraid of how your story is going to end. And it's scary to speak as I am. I know this could be my last chance to stand between you and forever's edge. It'll be easy to talk about the weather. It'll be easy to talk about the wave. But I love you too much not to say something. Without truth, my love means nothing. Sometimes love is anything but easy. Anything but easy. If I was trapped in a burning building, you would be the first one running, bursting through the saint flames to rescue me. I can see your walls are crumbling, so now, I, so now I'm the one who's running to save you from the fire that you can't see. It'll be easy to talk about the weather. It'll be easy to talk about the wave. But I love you too much not to say something. Without the truth, my love means nothing. Sometimes love is anything but easy, anything but easy. I can't paint your prison walls a brighter color and never tell you of the one who set me free. I can't leave you locked in your chains any longer. 
So let me lead you to the one who holds the keys. It'll be easy to talk about the weather. You know, sometimes it's easy to just carry on a conversation, isn't it? Talk about the weather. Talk about the sports. How the Sooners are doing. How bad they beat Texas. (laughs) I'm in Oklahoma. I knew that roused somebody up. (laughs) But I love you too much not to say something. Without the truth, my love means nothing. Sometimes love is anything but easy. Anything but easy. You know, the day in which we live, we have, we have so many ways that we can witness to our family. And I want to say this to you. You're and my and our number one mission field is our family. It's our family. It's our first responsibility to reach our family. And you know, we have a tremendous responsibility to do that. We have so many ways. We've got Twitter and we've got Facebook. You know, I, I look at Facebook and I see all kinds of scriptures and, and, and sayings on there and little testimonies. Um, it, it's been a blessing. We had a, a pastor come from the States and, and taught us how to use a little app. And, and I don't ha- they don't have it translated in Spanish, but I have it in English. And it's called The Exchange. And the other day, Glenn and I, we were in a restaurant in an Applebee's, and the little waitress came to take our drink order, and, and Glenna got up and went to the restroom, and she introduced herself. Her name was Faith. Faith. And I said, does Faith have faith? She said, yes. And I said, so Faith what does faith have faith in? And she said, that tomorrow would be brighter than today. And I said, faith, that won't get you to heaven. She didn't know how to answer me. She just kind of stood there a second. Glenna was coming back to her seat then, and she took our order and went off. And So we went through our meal, and after our meal, I said, faith, can I ask you two questions? She said, sure. She said, are you interested in knowing how to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? She said, yes. I said, can I share an app with you? And so I just took my phone, touched on it, and it comes up, share app. And so it comes up into messengers. And then I said, just type your number in there and send it to yourself. And she took the app. This app called The Exchange is four lessons that will lead you to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I have not had anyone refuse to accept the app yet that I've offered it to. And it's been, uh, and I don't know, uh, because I delete their, 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 their message from my phone. I don't want to have a lot of uh, women that I don't know in, on my phone. <laughs> So delete those, and I won't know until eternity unless they were to write me back because they have my, my number. They might contact me. I don't know. So, so we have so many ways that we can share Christ with others. And if you're interested in the app, I'll share it with you after the service if you'd like, like to know more about that. So 
God isn't looking, first of all, for missionaries. He's looking for Christians who are willing to be changed, who are willing to be used, broken, and remolded until they fit into that place that God has for them to serve. As God so chooses, God has something for each and every one of us to do. Christ is setting the gap, and no one else can ever, there's nothing else that can bridge the gap. You know, the problem with the world, uh, they don't have a problem with religion, they have a problem with Jesus Christ. Oh, they think all roads lead to the same, the Muslims, they're just, they just have a different name for it. That is not true, folks. Jesus Christ is exclusive. It is the only way. And so we have to share him with the world. God has a place for his disciples who will allow their plans, their gifts, their abilities, their schooling, their training, their most intimate relationships, and even our hopes for future Christian service to be broken and remolded so that our lives can count in reaching the lost around us and in the regions beyond. So standing in the gap means not placing any limits on how Fully, God may use you. Never think about what you give to missions as being insignificant. Because God takes the insignificant and does tremendous and awesome things with it. We can look into his scriptures and see that. Never think as to what you do, working with children, working with whoever, what you do for the Lord as being insignificant and not important. Because it takes all of us doing what we can, what God leads us to do to reach the world with the gospel. This is our moment in history, folks. We've been put here, and we are to reach our generation with the gospel. That's no small task. Seven billion people and more on the earth that need to hear the gospel. But today, we, we think, seven billion people, how are we going to do that? We have the means to do it. A lot of it has to do with this. We can do it. We can share the gospel. And we start by reaching out to our family, our friends, being involved in your church, and those around you who you love. They need to have someone lead them through the gap, lead them through that canyon to the other side because there's only one way to get there, and that's through Jesus Christ. Let us bow our heads this evening. We're going to have a word of prayer, and I'm going to turn the service back to Pastor this evening. It's a privilege for us to be here, to be a part of your ministry in Uruguay. We thank you so much and pray God's richest blessings upon you. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be here tonight. Bless this church, Cornerstone Baptist Church, and its people, Father. They've been such a blessing to us almost 42 years, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for Brother Johnson and his family, their testimony, their love to reach the lost. Lord, I pray that you would help us, each and every one of us, to examine what we're doing and, and look into our hearts. And Lord, give ourselves totally to you that we might be used to reach someone with the gospel. Help us, O oh Lord. We ask these things in thy holy name. Amen.
Let's have our heads bowed, eyes closed. Miss Pat, go ahead and if you would begin praying. And if the Lord spoke into your heart, I want to encourage you to have a time of prayer and decision there in your seat. So stand in the gap. If not you, then who? If not me, then who?